0: at that point in time. And what we want to study is why did they fall? See, Babylon thought they they were a nation that could never fall, that they were too strong, too powerful, and had the best military in the world, and nothing could ever touch them. And what you find out is they had done certain things in their empire that would cause them to fold and get God's judgment upon them. And when we look at what's going on back then and compare it to today, I want you to see certain things that are happening that are parallel, that indicate to us that if we continue on the same track that we're on, we will end up like Babylon during that period of time. And so just to, again, bring you up to, to speed on what's getting ready to happen in the world right now is World War III is upon us. We're being lured into a world war, and I don't know where this goes. But what's happening right now, just again, to just simplify it as best we can, is that we have a fight between the globalists versus Russian nationalism. Now, Russian nationalism is not like American patriotism. Russian nationalism means that they want to rule the world, that Russia wants to rule, and he wants to rule from Moscow. And that's what's being opposed with globalism. Now, here's the thing. Zelensky is a globalist. He's backed up by the globalists. And so right now, our media is making him the darling of the world. Our politicians think he's wonderful and great. And really, they, you know, they want to call him the person of the year. This guy is not a savior. This guy is corrupt. The Biden administration and, and the Biden family has been doing deals with them. Obama has been doing deals. The Clintons have been doing deals with these guys. There is no hero in this story. In fact, for some reason, they're making it a propaganda thing about him and Ukraine. What we start finding out, though, is that Obama funded biolabs in Ukraine that experiment on deadly pathogens like the plague, anthrax, and Ebola. Oh, all of a sudden, there's all this stuff going on there in the Ukraine that we don't want people to find out. And then they talk, this is where the propaganda goes. So they talk about this ghost of Kiev that's shooting down all these things, these Russian pilots, and he's he's wonderful. He's like the Red Baron or whatever. It's fake. It's a pilot from 2019 testing new helmets. It's all fake. They have uh, Zelensky all suited up. He's there with his, his soldiers. No, he's not. That's a picture from before. That's not real. There's a Zelensky eating with his soldiers. He's right there with the troops, guys, fighting Russia. That's a fake picture. He, he did that. that picture was taken years ago. This is another fake picture. It's a real picture, but it was taken years ago. They say, oh, there he's right in the, the, the barracks and, and right there in the trenches with his troops. No, he's not. That was a long time ago. How about the, the sightings of planes overhead in Ukraine and all this other stuff? Sorry, wasn't in this war. It happened a long time ago. How about this one? Explosion goes off, but it's not from Russia's attack on Ukraine. It happened in 2015, and it happened in China. What does that tell you? How about these? Oh, the poor Ukrainians praying to the Lord. No, it's not. This, this happened in 2014, and this is a picture from the IMB. This didn't happen currently. This was 2014. How about this explosion? Look at the caption from CNN. Fiery, but mostly peaceful explosion in the Ukraine. <laughs> Have you known a peaceful explosion in your entire life? And that's the, that's the headline of the Ukraine. Guess when that, that, that uh, explosion happened? It happened in 2015. Why are they doing that? Why is that happening? Because the globalists want us to get into this war eventually to take us down. So we're being lured in it, and the imagers, we've got to go save Ukraine, we've got to save Zelensky, he's our hero, and he's brave, and we've got to fight for him, and it's a lie. Yes, it's true that Moscow and, and, and Putin is attacking Ukraine, but the Ukraine is about as corrupt as Moscow is. So I'm talking about the governments, not the people. So what's happening right now is you're getting propagandized, and most Americans don't realize it, to support going into world war three this is what our leaders are doing to us guys and at the same time we're doing deals with russia and iran at the same time whose side is that if we're if we're not on the we pretend to be on the ukrainian side but yet we're still on russia's side how can you be on both sides unless they're all in it this is the chapter about the handwriting on the wall I'm going to break it up in two, but the handwriting on the wall is a message for all of us. God's going to write a handwriting on the wall to tell Babylon, your days are numbered, it's over. And the same thing is happening, I think, in America right now. The handwriting's on the wall. I think God is sending a message to America. And I want, to, I want you to use these principles that what happened in Babylon, it are these principles happening right now in America this is what we'll, we'll do, and this is how we'll compare. The application will not be a personal one today. It's a geopolitical application. It's a national application because of the way the text is, is aiming us, okay? So we have to think in terms of geopolitical, okay? The first verse in chapter 5 starts out with Belshazzar the king. And why we have to stop there is because we've got to talk about this old boy. This dude's evil. This dude's wicked. He is a blasphemer. He is not like his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar became a believer, remember, at the end of his life. He had been broken and came to faith. You're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. But this is his grandson. And his grandson is about as wicked as you can get, okay? He is all full of himself. And he's going to challenge God. That's how wicked he is. Just like our leaders right now are challenging God on everything, uh, when you challenge God, Uh, God will take up that fight, and he will show you who's ruler, and he's going to find out soon. Belshazzar was doubted that he even existed, but skeptics used to say, well, this guy's all made up, Daniel's made up, and all this other stuff. Daniel gets a lot of skepticism, and anyway, what happened in 1854, I believe, they found this cylinder, and it it, it basically says that Belshazzar was the son of Nabonidus. That's his father. They were co-ruling at the same time, and Belshazzar was acting as a regent in Babylon while Nabonidus was in Timah in Arabia. And then we find out that Belshazzar's mother was a daughter of Nebuchadnezzar. So they they believe this guy didn't exist. So here we have this archaeological remains. So let me explain this real quick. Let me show you the timeline. After Nebuchadnezzar dies in 562, <coughs> his son takes over, evil Merodach. Now, if you, if you name your kid, I'm going to name him evil Merodach. a pretty good chance he's going to be evil. Um, anyway, he takes the throne. He, he is murdered by Neregalasar, and then Nerigalassar, I can't pronounce it, Ner, Nerigalassar. I can't even pronounce these Babylonian names reigns about four years. Labishai Marduk takes over and reigns for only two months, but Nabonidus and Belshazzar are involved in his assassi- assassination. Now, Nabonidus is the acting king at this point in time, but he makes Belshazzar a co-ruler cool with him. So Nabonidus is number one, Belshazzar is number two. So in the text, why this, why this is important, Because he will say that anyone who interprets the handwriting on the wall will be third in the kingdom. And people have uh, been skeptical of that. Why would he be third if Belshazzar is the king? Because history proves that they were co-ruling, and his father, Nebuchadnezzar, number one, Belshazzar, number two, and anyone that could interpret the the handwriting on the wall would be number three. So exactly as Scripture lays it out. And that's important for us to understand in, in terms of historicity. Um. So here's what happened. So I I mentioned Belshazzar and how evil he is. So the principle that you and I have to apply, first off, in just talking about him, is why does a nation die? Because there will be ungodly leadership in every sector of society. And that's what started happening. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar became a, a believer. Daniel was the head of the whole school and getting them all together, understanding the worship of Yahweh. By the time they get to this guy, he's got his own people in place, he's his own cabinet in place. Daniel's in retirement. He's not active. And and so in one generation or, or two generations, the whole thing goes south, and it's going towards evil. And so you look at all the magicians, the soothsayers, basically the whole political party is corrupt. It's evil. Now, take that and polite today look at the leadership in america whether it's the politicians whether it's the media whether it's the education look at the people in charge you will hardly find a good leader they're typically bad and they're clueless and they have no common sense they've been romans one many of them are moronic Same thing happened in Babylon. It's happening in America today. We have bad leadership. Now, there's a passage in Isaiah 3 that I want to show you. This was the judgment on Israel because God basically gave them the kind of leadership they deserved. And I want you to read this along with me and see if it doesn't apply today. I will give children. This is a punishment. I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. One of the judgments of God is fine. This is the kind of leadership you want. I will allow you to have babies as leaders. Infants. No common sense. Children running your country. Is that happening right now? Yeah, thank you. The people will be oppressed by them because they're children. Everyone by another and everyone by his neighbor. Well, We're seeing oppression start happening here in the United States, stuff that we never thought we would see. Oppression financially, because your dollar won't go anywhere anymore, because the prices of gas, the prices of food, inflation rates and all that other stuff are skyrocketing, and they have no intention of controlling this, no intention of getting that back. That's a form of persecution. That's a form of oppression, because they're taking your money without you knowing it by decreasing its value. And upping everything else—that's oppression, cancellation of free speech, censorship. That's oppression. Okay. The child will be insolent toward the elder, and the base towards the honorable. Paul picked up the same thing in the church that the 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 the, the younger will disrespect the older. That's happening right now, as a panel. so so our leaders don't listen to wisdom and common sense and the elders. They do what Rehoboam did when he was given the kingdom. He turned to his contemporaries to get information instead of looking to the elders. That is a fundamental mistake. When you, for, you, when you don't access the wisdom of people who have lived a long life and instead you turn to your contemporaries, that's a recipe for disaster. But that's what they're doing. They, these people don't look at our history in America they don't, they don't cherish the elders, the, the forefathers of America. They castigate them as racists and slave owners. And so this is intentional. So then what do they do? They look to the future. Their, their whole mindset, these leaders that we have, nothing. they don't look to the past. They only look forward. They only look forward, and they only listen to contemporaries. That's dangerous, and that's what we have going on right now. Then he says, when a man takes hold of his brother in the house of his father saying, you have clothing, you be our ruler and let these ruins be under your power. What it's saying is this. The leadership pool will get so bad in your country that if the guy just has clothes, hey, you got clothes, you're our leader. That's the mentality. What it's saying is the leadership, the pool of leadership will be so sparse is that they won't be qualified. They, they're not qualified to be in leadership, but you'll take them for what, what they are. They're a warm body. Let's put them in there. And that's the kind of leadership you will get, warm bodies. That's what we're starting to see, whether it's the school boards, whether it's teachers, whether it's principals, whether it's the media, whether it's whatever industry you call. This is, they have no qualifications to do what they're doing in that day he will protest saying i cannot cure your ills for in my house is neither food nor clothing the idea is that when you do find a good leader they won't want to rule they won't want to be involved they won't want to get involved in the mess that it is would you really want to go into politician politics right now and enter that mess would you really want to enter a school board and all that in that mess you got to think about it it's a mess can it be fixed That would be the only reason, if you can think it could be fixed. But that's what he says. Most good leaders will bow out. I don't want to be involved in this. For Jerusalem stumbled, and Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord. Whatever they do is, is contrary to God, to provoke the eyes of his glory. The look on their countenance witnesses against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to their soul, for they have brought evil upon themselves. The idea is this. They are so entrenched in their sin, they can't even blush about it. They commit acts of vile sin, and they have the countenance of a whore. They don't blush. They're not ashamed of anything they do. It's out there, and they tell you what they do. They don't think they're going to get caught. They don't think they're going to jail. This is the new way. Were we there? I don't know. Belteshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. Now, the idea that this, this um, happened, uh, Herodotus and Xenophon actually locate the date for us. And we know this well in history. This happened on Saturday, October 12, 539 B.C., and scholars like Harold Horner can even date it to the precise time in which this happened. They say, I think he said five five 539 in the afternoon that this happened. It's that precise that we know this event happened. So we have the history behind it. But notice what it says, that he made a great feast for a thousand of his lords, and they drank wine in the presence. The idea is what these kings would do is create a big feast, Uh, They would sit on a platform above everybody. That's why it says in the presence. It's actually before. So he's exalted above them like on a platform, and then they're below eating as well, and he eats in front of them. Why is that important? Mm. I'll point it out in just a bit. But archaeology confirms exactly what this passage says. But the idea in the ancient Near East, this is very common. It's not out of line to do something like this. But again, I want you to show you something. When leaders who are dumber than a box of rocks, have no common sense, start drinking wine, they get worse. Okay, They just go worse. They go full crazy. Okay, But what is the, the principle here? Why does a nation die? The leaders truly believe their plans will work due to their reprobate mind. Now, what is going on in the context? I want you to think about this. He's going to have a feast, but let me tell you what's going on outside of his walls of Babylon. His dad, Nabonidus, has been fighting the Medes and Persians. His dad has been crushed. The Babylonian armies have been crushed. They have been defeated. And some some of the records say that Nabonidus has left and fled, or some of the records say Nabonidus is dead at this time. And does he know this? Yes, he knows this. He knows the Babylonian armies are defeated and his dad is either dead or in exile at this point in time. So guess what? This fool decides to have a banquet. Now who does that kind of thing? Your armies are defeated and you decide to have a banquet. You see how clueless? Because he believes his plans will succeed despite the reality. That's what a reprobate mind does. It does things that doesn't make any sense. You've lost your dead meat. But that's, that's how the leadership starts looking. Well, do we see this today? Do we have the whole world collapsing and we're still playing patty cakes? Yes. And so the whole, we're on the verge of World War III and they're wanting to go to a digital bank, uh, uh, digital currency. Yeah, yeah. Or how about... How about this? When a nation dies, here's what you see from this. The people work from a false sense of security. So back then, he's thinking he can have a feast and the gods of the Babylonians will save him from the Medes and Persians. That's really what he, that's his plan. It's stupid, but that's his plan, that the gods of Babylon will deliver them. And again, the gods of Babylon are nothing but a false sense of security, that these gods will help them. And it, they won't, obviously. It's just like Pharaoh in Egypt. His gods didn't help him either because they were fake. But I want you to see this. The security that's being pro, uh, promoted in our culture now is that global governance will give us peace and security. Not being an individual nation. We've got to get involved in this is where it give, and we will get peace and security. That's false. Or how about this? The monetary system that they're currently using right now—it's called modern monetary theory. It goes like this: you can print all the money you want, you can spend like a drunk sailor on leave, and and it does actually to get yourself out of debt, you spend more. Now, how does that work for your own budget? Spend more and you'll get out of debt. It doesn't work for you and I, but it works for them. And that's the system they are operating, And they're saying this system is going to give us peace and security. It'll make everything equitable, they say. It will destroy our economy. How about this? False sense of security. Wear your mask. Make sure you're vaccinated. Everybody has bought into this. Not everybody, but you know what I mean. So now Gavin Newsom reduces the mask mandates and we still have people wearing masks. Why? Because it's become a blanket like Linus had in Peanuts. Remember Linus kept a blanket with him? Security blanket? That's what the masks have become. You got kids in the classrooms won't take the mask off. You got teachers still wearing the mask. You got employers wearing the mask. You got still, I still see people driving with a mask. What's happened? False sense of security. The mask have turned into Linus's blanket. They think it gives them security. They're out of their minds. That's when you start seeing bad leadership. When leaderships keep doing things that is false, they've lost their minds. And the face of all the evidence coming out. Wall Street analyst says COVID vaccines are the greatest fraud in history. Yeah, and they, they, they ignore this, right? How about this? They think false security is gonna come from you being on wind and solar that's what they believe, that this will be your security. We'll get off the fossil fuels, you'll drive an electric car, and you'll, you'll, you'll be safe and secure in the environment we create. That's crazy. It'll destroy us if they do this. And by the way, now they have worked through the banks not to, not for, uh, to not have the banks loan money to oil companies to drill anymore. They're stopping it. And and they're going to just continue to skyrocket gas uh, gas, but they say everything's fine, guys. Once we get you on electric cars, you'll be fine. We'll provide the peace and security for you. It's false. It's not real. It's it's him. It's it's Belshazzar having a feast, and the, his armies are destroyed. So while he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So here's what's happened. Nebuchadnezzar, remember, he sacked Jerusalem and took uh, Israel in the exile. This is about 70 years ago now. But, but Nebuchadnezzar never committed sacrilege in taking those utensils and, and profaning them. He just put them in storage, and he left them there. The one object that Nebuchadnezzar did not take is the ark of the covenant according to jewish tradition jeremiah hid the ark of the covenant under the temple mount in one of the grottos or caves there and and the jews believe it's there today and if they get that third temple built they will bring it out they say and it will be part of the third temple that gets desecrated by the antichrist anyway Among the the furniture are the cups. There's a lot of cups that were used. And the cups were used for uh, for catching the blood of the animal and then being able to sprinkle the blood from that cup. So that's what they're actually going to use to drink from. It is intentional. This is not an accident because he could have taken any of the other gods of vanquished enemies and used their utensils for his party who does he go after? The Hebrew God. No other gods. He goes after the Hebrew God because this is evil, satanic. Satan always attacks the real thing, not false things. So he goes after it. Now, here's a satellite uh, picture of Babylon. One day, Antichrist will have his headquarters there. This is a small picture of it, and a lot of the ruins um, are gone. But this is still some of the ruins of Babylon And Babylon would have been on on top of the Euphrates River. The river went right under the city. Uh, Saddam Hussein built his palace there. You can see the U.S. military base that's there. Um, And what has been unearthed is the throne room area of the city and the Ishtar Gate. And believe it or not, Saddam Hussein started building on these ruins because he wanted to rebuild Babylon. Again, it will be, be, be built by the Antichrist in the future. But anyway, what they have located is the throne room. This throne room is where this dinner, this festival would have happened. And archaeology has uncovered many things. So here's inside the throne room. This is what it looks like today. Now, the walls that are built up were built up by Saddam Hussein, but he built the walls based on the ruins that were there. So this is the space. Notice the platform. That's what I remember I said he, he made a feast before the people. So the scripture's indicating that he's on a higher platform than the rest of the, person, the people. Guess what? You're seeing the platform that Belshazzar was on. That was the, the, the platform. Now let me add one more thing archaeologically. Now that's a wall that was created by uh, Saddam Hussein. But the archaeological wall that was still there has remnants of white plaster on them. So what this would have looked like is the interior was plastered with white, okay, especially behind Belshazzar, which you can see in the alcove there. It would have been all white. So when the Lord writes on the wall, it would have been on white, and it would have been contrasted with the the torchlight in there and would have shined out through everybody in that, that room, exactly as the Lord said. You'll see the word plaster in the text itself. So everything the Lord said is true, and we found this out through archaeology. It verified everything the words of God said. And here's the platform. There it is. So imagine the writing on the wall being behind that platform. That's where it would have been. Why does a nation die? People are clueless to the real threats. Like I said... The invading armies are there at his door, and he's having a feast because he thinks the Babylonian gods can deliver him. So it's the idea of Nero fiddled while Rome burned is the idea. That's how leaders are. Now, let me give you some examples of this. We're approaching World War III, right? And things can get really bad here quickly. But our Congress is making laws you think they have been making laws about, you know, what, what we need to think about energy and inflation and food prices and possibly World War III? No. Our Congress passes a hair bill. Yeah, a hair bill. Yeah, so that people won't be discriminated because of their hair. No joke. So if you have purple or blue or pink hair, or you have cone rolls, or you have an afro, or you have long hair, or you have shaved head, whatever it might be, you can't be discriminated based on your hair we're fiddling while the world is burning that's how stupid our leaders are again this is one of the issues so inflation food prices gas going up we're passing hair bills yeah that's where our leadership's at remember i'll give you children to rule your country i'll give you children how about this one at the same time we're supporting Ukraine, something very funny came out this week. I, the Iran nuclear deal that's being brokered by Moscow, and we're cutting the deal with Iran, guess what it allows? It allows for Russians to build nuclear power plants in Iran. What's happening? Is, wait a second. I thought we were for the Ukrainians, but yet we're going to allow Russia to build nuclear power plants? And they're, they're not power plants, by the way they nuclear arsenals, so they can fire missiles. I'm, I'm failing to understand what side our leaders are on. Maybe they're on both sides. Maybe this is a wag the dog show. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and concubines, drank from them. That's totally sacrilege, man. They drank wine and praised who? The gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron, wood and stone. Notice there's six different types of gods named. Six is the incomplete. It's, a, it's the picture of man. Number six represents incompletion. So they're worshiping these gods, and they're incomplete, so to speak. Only God is represented by the number seven, complete, perfection. So anyway, they're doing this to these gods. Okay, so what's the mindset? that if he praises the gods of Babylon, they will deliver him. That's his mindset. And he's gonna do it by sacrileging the utensils from the temple. This is a challenge to the God Yahweh, to our God, the real God. He is challenging God one-on-one. That's how arrogant this guy is. But what's the principle? Well, let me show you the cups first. If you look at the worship, in the, in the tabernacle, they always had cups and bowls. And the cups were used and the bowls were used to catch the blood from the animal after they slit its neck. And that blood would be caught in a cup or a bowl and then it would be used for sacrifice on the altar um, or it would be on Yom Kippur, poured on the uh, Ark of the Covenant one time a year. But these utensils are that which held the blood of the sacrificial animal. And now they're going to be drinking wine out of it. It's a complete blasphemy, but it's on purpose, okay? It's very, very satanic, okay? So here's the principle. Why does a nation die? It's when the people take that which is sacred and profane it. That which is, that God says is holy, they profane it. So in this, this period of time, they're profaning the articles. But let's go to contemporary periods of time. Let's go to now. What are they taking that is sacred and profaning? Babies. Life. Life is sacred. But what did they do? Profane it. So now Maryland's pushing a bill to kill a baby, what, 23 or 28 days or whatever after its birth. That's called taking something sacred and profaning it. How about this? California legislators introduced abortion tourism bill. This hasn't passed yet, but it's looking to be passed. What does this mean? That if you're from a state that doesn't allow abortion or whatever, you can come to California, and California will pay your your meals, your hotel room, your travel here for you to have an abortion here in our state, and then we'll send you back. It's called abortion tourism. We're getting ready to pass this. Taking something sacred... And profaning it. I think the Lord had something to say about this. About anyone who would try to mess with children. You remember what he said? It'd be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the deepest ocean than to harm one of these little ones. He was serious. How about the grooming of children now? Children are precious. They're sacred. But you know what? They've been trying to groom our children in the schools. And so Ron DeSantis, God bless him, tried to enact a bill that would stop this grooming in kindergarten, preschool, and the lower grades in elementary. Uh, So they didn't talk about sexual activities going on or LGBT agenda or you're a girl or you're a guy and transgenderism stuff to little kids. Because that's what they're doing. They're grooming our kids. And the teachers have no problem doing this. They love it. They think it's great. So... Ron DeSantis proposes a bill to stop this, and so all of them go crazy, all the groomers. So ESPN must be a groomer, That's what, because look what they did. ESPN interrupts coverage of NCAA women's basketball tournament to hold a moment of silence to protest parental rights in education bill. They're opposing, they, they, think about this. They stopped in the middle of a game and had a moment of silence to oppose DeSantis' bill that stops them from grooming children. How wicked is that? And look at the results of them grooming our kids in school. Grieving mother claims L.A. County School pushed transgender treatments on her teenage daughter who ultimately committed suicide. Why did they play with her life? Because they don't don't respect the sacredness of parental authority, that's why. And they don't respect the sacredness of children and sexuality. And so what do they do? They groom them. And so many of them end up committing suicide. Do they care? No. How about this? In response to DeSantis' bill, Disney reinserts a clip they had taken out from the new Buzz Lightyear movie. Why did they reinsert it? It's a a clip of Buzz Lightyear making out with a guy. Disney had originally taken it out, but they put it back in, because of Ron DeSantis they 're grooming your kids they 're grooming our kids this is all this is what this is. this is evil. Not only do they disrespect life for children, they disrespect life for the elderly. well, you know you've got to sacrifice yourself for the common good, so here 's a little pill and you can go to sleep, or if you go in Sweden, they can put you in a, a matrix a cocoon like in the matrix and it will slowly suffocate you there so that you won't be a burden on your family and the, and, and the medical bills and rack up a bunch of costs and, and debt for your family. So we'll just quietly put you to sleep. You would want to do this, right? To sacrifice for the common good? No. This whole, whole idea of dying with dignity, they were go- they're going to slaughter people in the elderly category. That's what they're planning to do. Soft euthanasia, as they call it. Marriage. Sacred. But what do they do? Take something sacred, profane it. You can marry anything now, and anyone. Now everything's on the table. Take that which is sacred, profane it. How about creation? God created our environment, created everything. He says it's going to keep rolling until I, until I say it's done. But no, <clears throat> instead of worshiping the creator, they worship the creation. So the Sierra Club and the, and the, and the people there hugging trees profane that which is sacred. the creation and they start worshiping it it's crazy how about this one what's sacred humanity male and female this is our new health secretary she got woman of the year how did she get woman of the year that's a dude can anyone see this This is what they're telling you. Don't believe your lying eyes. That's a girl. Okay. And you know what? People say, oh, yeah, you know, everybody's body's different. And I guess she's a girl. (coughs) No, that's a dude. Crazy. How about this? Freedom of speech. We get freedom of speech from the Bible. Ephesians 4.15 is speak the truth in love. Okay, what does that mean? That we should not be permitted or sorry, prevented from speaking the truth in love. So when someone censors us speaking the truth, they're hitting something sacred, and that's not to be allowed. So our, our freedom of speech here in America derives from the Bible, and what are they doing? They're taking it away. They're calling it now hate speech. That which is sacred, free speech, is now being condemned as hate speech. Freedom of religion. Well, we saw this in California. We shut down the churches and around the nation. We were curtailed by it. And so what ended up happening is they're going to take more from you. They don't want you practicing your Christianity. And especially if they go to a digital currency and do ESG scores, your ESG score will be bottomed out like mine. We won't have any score. They'll say, you're horrible. We can't loan you any money. We can't do anything. It'll all be based on your religion. Because your religion, Christianity, doesn't match ESG. We, got, we see doctor, these doctors being censored. We used to revere the medical community. I don't trust them now. <clears throat> that which was sacred, human health, taking care of people, has now been profaned. I wouldn't want to end up in a hospital right now. <clears throat> How about the market economy? The Bible supports a free market economy. But they're trying to control the economy through digital currency. So you're going to lose that freedom. And the Bible advocates a free market system. It advocates that you work hard and that you, that you invest and that you save. This system that they are perpetrating on us is based on debt. It's based on running up a debt and printing off a bunch of money. That which is sacred is now being profaned. Think about this on money. On money, there is a biblical standard for money. The money that you use as a currency must be divisible. It must be physical, and you have to be able to divide it. It must have a store of value, and it must, go, and it must be able to be traded. Okay, If you don't have that, and you go to a digital currency, you have profaned that which is sacred. Biblical wealth versus creating wealth theotly. That's what they're doing, and then you have the. the sorry, thank you. Then you have the issue of sex. And in the issue of sex, you have biblical love making. Now that which is sacred has been turned into perversion. All this is an example of it. You have globalism versus nationalism. Now, we're talking about nationalism as far as patriotism. God wants patriotism, and nations, he doesn't want globalism. So we've turned from the sacred of nations now to globalism. It's just like we're drinking out of the cups of the temple now. That's how bad it is. Let's return back to the text. Look what it says. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand, On the plaster, wait a second, you see that? What did I say archaeologists found? White plaster. Isn't that amazing? On the plaster of the wall, the king's palace, and the king saw part of the hand that wrote. Now, this is big deal. It's It's a message to the Babylonians. It's also a message to believers as well. When you see a hand writing on a wall, now, in the, in the Middle East, in that culture, when you killed somebody and you wanted to prove that they were killed, you cut their right hand off and you would take it back and prove that I killed them. That was kind of like, like with the Indian scalping people is proof that you had killed them. So you, they cut the right hand off. So guess what they see? A right hand. What's the message? A right hand symbolized death. Uh, that was cut off. That's all they saw was the cut off, right? So it symbolizes a message of death. Death is coming to you. But notice the hand is not dead. It's alive because what is it doing? It's writing. So this hand is actually alive even though it symbolizes death. You catching that? George Lucas even picked this up and put it in his, his Star Wars movie. If you'll notice, some of the characters, get, they lose their right hand. That's very Middle Eastern. That's very the idea of death behind it. Okay, so it symbolizes death, but this hand is alive. What, as a biblical interpreter, are we supposed to get from that? Whenever a right hand appears, you will see it in the Bible, and the first time we see a hand appear, it writes the Ten Commandments, right? The first set of Ten Commandments were written by God personally right then in this chapter we see this hand appear and it's writing the third time you'll see the hand is in the gospels and it's with the lord the messiah so what will happen you remember the scene the scene was a woman was caught in adultery they bring her to him and they say we've caught this woman in the act of adultery she she, she should be stoned to death according to the law and what does he do Writes. Writes and sin. Now, the problem is most people focus in on well, what was he writing. Well, it doesn't matter what he was writing. The focus of that story is the hand. He's, it's the hand that he's wanting them to pay attention to. He's having the Pharisees look at his right hand. Why? He is telling them this. You brought this lady before me that supposedly has been caught in adultery, and yet you have no witnesses. You fools. I'm the one who wrote the law. I know how my law works. If you do not have two or three witnesses, you cannot condemn her, and you don't have any witnesses. Now, would any of you like to start stoning her to death? Then go right ahead. He is without sin. Start doing it. Because if you stone her to death without witnesses, guess what? You're in violation of my law. The whole point was don't tell the lawgiver what's in the law, because he's the one who wrote it. Back off. Back off. And then, when he, the, the, he tells the lady, if it says, go and sin no more, he knew she had done it. But according to Mosaic law, she had, she had no witnesses. So he let her off. P- people misunderstand that story. The whole point of the story is the hand of Jesus. The hand of Jesus is the same hand that wrote the Ten Commandments, and it's the same hand that's writing the handwriting on the wall here. Same one. It's Messiah's hand, second person of the Trinity then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him and so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other he's frightened to death he can't even stand anymore the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers the chaldeans and the soothsayers the king spoke saying to the wise men of babylon whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with what purple and have a chain of gold around his neck And he shall be third ruler in the kingdom. Why is it third ruler? Because Nabonensis is one, Belshazzar is two, and you will be number three. It perfectly works in history, and they used to discredit this text. But here, notice what they're going to be clothed in. Purple and gold. Purple and gold. Where are we at? We're in Babylon. What started in Babylon? And continued to this point in time. It's religion. Its religion in Babylon was there. The religion is called the whore of Babylon. And what happens is, when you do a deal with her, you get her luxuries. She gives you something in return if you'll promote her religion. Look at this. Here's the principle. Why does a nation die? The people promote the whore of Babylon's agenda for the whore's luxuries. You want to be successful in this life? Do a deal with a whore. She'll send you straight to hell, no doubt about that. But if you do a deal with a whore, she'll make you famous. She'll make you rich. She'll make you, uh, you know, have power. That's how she works. That's what's going on in Babylon. Why do they they specifically target Yahweh's utensils and not some other foreign deity? Why are they in America targeting us and not Islam? Why do they not target other religions other than Christianity? Why is that? Because we are the true one. We have the true belief. So they target us and the Jews. That's who they target. That's what they're doing. Because the whore hates the true faith. And she wants you to promote her agenda. Now, this is simple. What is her values and what are her morals? It's simple. It's the opposite of God. God says, this is right. They say, no, this is wrong. God says, this is wrong. They say, it's right. That's it. That's all you have to know. That's all you have to know about the whore. So what happens is, look at this. This is in the future. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on Scarlet Beast. That's the Roman Empire that's going to be revived, which was full full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. What was the woman arrayed in? Purple. Purple. Isn't that a coincidence that the whore is clothed in purple? And yet, he says, I will reward someone with purple. That's the garments of Babylon, the Babylonian religion. And adorned with what? Gold, right? And precious stones, pearls, having in her hand a cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead was uh, a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. This is where all the false religions came from, and she's alive and well with Belshazzar, and he's pushing her, and he's showing you who he really worships by the gifts he gives, purple and gold, the luxuries of the whore. Oh. So are our leaders right now and around the world getting the luxuries of the whore? Oh, yeah. The three items that they get from the whore, why everyone does a deal with her, is they get money, they get power, and they get fame. He's a perfect example of that. Never worked a day in his life, but he has money, power, and fame. Prestige, if you want to say. Infamous, but that's what they're doing. That's what these leaders are doing. In promoting the whore, they become rich, famous, and powerful. That's what's happening. That's what Hollywood does. That's what the music industry does. You do a deal with her, she'll give you the luxuries. We call it the billionaire's club. I want you to take any billionaire right now and do your own research on them and find out what they promote morally, value-wise. What kind of morals does George Soros promote? What kind of values does Bill Gates promote? What kind of uh, morals does uh, Larry Fink promote for Blackstone or BlackRock, I'm sorry? Do you know BlackRock owns everything in the world? right? They're telling the banks what to do. And guess what? Larry Fink, the owner, the, the operator of Blackstone serves her. So guess what? If you're going to do business with Larry Fink, because he can buy you out like that, like there's no tomorrow, you better comply with his ESG and inclusivist and diversity and uh, all these other Babylonian names. Otherwise, we're not doing business with you. Blackstone owns everything. That's who we're being controlled by, It's by these guys, hedge fund guys. But they make, they make, they, they're a part of the billionaire's club. Let's return to the text. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished because they can't interpret this thing. So here comes the queen. This is actually Belshazzar's mother. And she can come in uninvited because he is, she is her, uh, his mother. If is his wife, she couldn't do that. But since is his mother, she can walk in there and tell him what the deal is. She came to the banquet hall, and the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, 70 years ago, or a long time, uh, light and understanding and wisdom, like wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit and knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation." question how come Belshazzar doesn't know this how come he has to be reminded of the king by the queen I'm sorry why do you attack Yahweh's utensils look you have to understand there is a willful forgetting in Babylon that's happened willful Daniel saved their necks man Shadrach Meshach and Abednego and they have already, within two generations, forgotten about Daniel on purpose. On purpose. Because he was the one who taught all the Magi's and, 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 and all these guys in the politics of how to worship Yahweh correctly. And within two generations, something has happened. They have forgotten him. They have moved on. What is that about? The Babylonians don't even know their own history. Oh, is that a principle for us in America? Yeah. Why does a nation die? Because the people forget their past. In fact, it's an intentional thing that's being done here in America where they revise our history, turn our founding fathers into systematic racists and systemic, the system is systemically racist, and we should all burn it to the ground and move forward into a new system, a new world order. Forget the past, move on. That's exactly what happened in Babylon. Forget the past. We're moving on. I'm only listening to contemporary people. Folks, that's where we're at, too. People have forgot our past. They don't know where we're about. They don't even know what it means to be American anymore. The values we held, Judeo-Christian ethics and stuff like that, forgotten. I like what Winston Churchill said. He goes, a nation that forgets its past has no future. It's true. How about this quote from George Santayana? Those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. It's true. It's happening. What are they doing to our kids in schools? Making them intentionally forget our history. And when a nation forgets its history, it's cooked. I won't show that. I'll show that next week. I can't show you. It's too much. You won't be able to take it. It'll it'll depress you. I'll end on this guy. I'll show you that next week. But the, the point is, okay, if I take what I saw was happening in Babylon at this time and I apply that rubric to America today. Back then, it meant the end for Babylon. So I'll leave it up to you. Is the handwriting on the wall about our future? Apply the principles and you decide. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn through chapter 5 of Daniel. We see a nation that had forgotten its history. We see leaders that were babies, not even understanding the threat that was upon them. The Medes and Persians were all at the gates, and they're having a party. It's kind of like what we see here in America, Father. We're fiddling while Rome is burning. World War III is upon us, and we're passing hair bills, Father. It's insane, but it's the same stuff. Father, help us to be salt and light. Help us to continue to get the truth out, Help us to be the leaders that are called in this time period to do what you've called us to do because we don't see too many leaders anymore, but help us to be that. I pray if there's anyone here, Father, that doesn't know Jesus, they would come to faith in him today, understand he died on a cross for their sins and, and was buried and rose on the third day to give everlasting life to anyone who will believe. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.